and codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Captains, and we are back. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Priority One Podcast live from Star Trek Las Vegas at the Rio for the 2013 Star Trek convention. And we are joined by two very special guests, John Chapian and Ken Ray of Mission Log Podcast. Hey, everybody. I feel special. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm very You are? Yes. Yes, you are. Now, you guys uh, have been busy this year, right, representing both uh, Mission Log Podcast and a little bit of Roddenberry.com because that's your relationship with Roddenberry.com. Talk to us about your, your experience this year. Our experience this year actually started a year and a half ago. We started producing shows uh, back in March. We only did a couple, but we spent a long time working on the clock, trying to figure it out, spending time talking to John, because the very first time I talked to John, was when Rod said, I think I'd like you to do this show with this guy. So it was seriously, it was honestly the longest I've spent working on something before we actually started. It was only six months from the time that we first opened the microphone to coming here and saying, hey, our first show went up on Monday this morning, so come back by and see. And that was a year ago uh, this week. Well, congratulations. Happy happy anniversary for sure. And um, We're not actually married, though. No, no. Do yeah. your wives think you're married? Because <laughs> I know please. my wife has questions. Well, yeah, yeah. Please, please we, don't tell our them. wives worry. Yeah. So you have a booth here representing Mission Long Podcast. How has it been interacting with the fans that have been listening to you for the last year? Well, you know, it's really interesting. So out of all the people that come by, you would think that being at a Star Trek convention that there would be some awareness of things like Star Trek podcasts. That out of 100 people or so, a good 5 to 10 really know Mission Log and they really want to talk about Mission Log. And they want to take us to task about things that are very specific to Mission Log. Wait, wait, people complain about the internet? Yeah. People <laughs> oh. complain about the internet to you? Yes, yes. Wow. People complain. Who would imagine? Uh, yeah, and now they can complain in person. In person? Yes, yeah, yeah. right. Wow. Right. So um, that's been interesting. But what's really interesting is the, the 90 to 95% who just, they don't know. You know, there are a lot of people who don't know about Roddenberry.com, and then a lot of people who don't know about Mission Log. There are a lot of people who don't know about podcasts. So you kind of have to explain, you know, like, you know this is a free thing. You go on the internet, on your computer, the thing that's the typewriter with the TV attached to it. You know? Oh, wait, wait, I have one. Wait, yeah, you, you have an internet? I have one. Yeah. I have an internet. So wait, you guys are Mission Logs? I thought you were the Mac guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am that too. Actually, that was kind of fun. I had somebody come up and make an inside joke from my other show. It was an inside joke seven years ago. So that was me. I had somebody come up and, like, take me out of the Star Trek thing for just a second, although he's not going to have a mission like listening as well. Um, as far as the people who did come to see us, the people who are listeners, that's been phenomenal. Um, there's a guy who ended up spending a two week vacation here in the States because he had something that he wanted us to sign. Wow. And so he was going to mail it to us, and then we were like, well, we're going to be down at, and John said we're going to be at Comic-Con, because he was, or we're going to be in Vegas, he was like, yeah, so let's go to the States. So he drove down from Vancouver, I think, and they were like camping all like down through the southwest, meaning back up through California, 
but we're sort of where the hairpin turned because now he got this piece of Star Trek stuff signed by us, and, nice. and which is awesome. Yeah, and had a fantastic conversation with him. He came out 20 or 30 minutes. And just, everybody who's come to see us, like with the intent, even the people who come to take us to task, nobody's like. Nobody's punched us yet. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, uh, Dr. Robert Hurt, who's a, a friend of our show and been on and, and does stuff for our, our columns and stuff. I know he told me he came over to you and was ecstatic because he's like, it was the Matt guy. He's <laughs> like, I was so excited. He's like, you know the guy from Mission Logs, right? Like it was the second hand thing. Because it was the Matt guy. I had to meet him. I've been listening to him. So, you know, he, he made a big point of coming over and, and, and talking about that too. And it was funny because we had just spoken about that the day before at your booth about how, you know, sometimes they come over to see Mission Logs. Sometimes they're like, where's the Matt guy? <laughs> yeah, there, there's something to be said for not taking the bait. And uh, we, we had a, a person come up to the table the other day and said, oh, don't get me started about Apple. Don't get me started about Matt. And okay, you, we were, you were playing what? Uh, well, I said I kind of have to now. <laughs> <laughs> so my other, the night show I've been doing for like seven and a half years at this point, so somebody's like, don't get me started. I'm like, I gotta get me started. Come on, I gotta hear what he has to say. Yeah, it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Not to do that, but yes, he was right. I didn't want to get me started. Now, periodically, Mission Law comes out with these amazing documents that you've gotten your hands on over the course of the year, right? Because we, we spoke with you shortly after Mission Log had launched, and you guys had admitted that it was you still settling in and, and getting your foot uh, your footing. Now, a year later, with so much documentation that you poured out, some amazing stuff, do things still surprise you? What have you found in the year that's just been like, this is amazing, this is like the holy grail of Star Trek? Um, I, I'll admit to you that we got a little bit behind and that has to do with the sheer volume of data in that office. And there's a little bit of a split that's kind of strange. We've got a lot of it at the Roddenberry office, but there's a lot of that documentation that is at UCLA in their archive, in their library. And Rod Roddenberry himself had to get written permission from his mother to go see that documentation uh, when he was working on Trek Nation. Wow. Now, as of now, Majel is gone. And Rod does not know who can get him into that library. Does he write himself a note to get into the library? And even when you get there, there are restrictions on what you can and cannot report on photograph, uh, certainly not photocopies. So we have a certain stash at the office, and we just now sort of compiled a lot of that into a giant master database that we can go back and look at. So uh, Ken and I uh, have recently uh, recorded and published The Ultimate Computer, Private Little War, Omega Glory, and I've just now gotten documents that kind of either fit that time period when those shows are being produced or released, or documents that tie in directly to the content. Standards and practices writing back about Nona's appearance and sexuality in A Private Little War. There are memos from Gene Roddenberry about who they will be hiring on for the next season, because by March of 1968, they were looking at production of the third season. So they were looking at what it would fall going in. And there's a great memo, I, I, hopefully it just got posted, there's a great memo from Gene saying, look, I'm going to be a lot tougher when it comes to the story for the next season. I'm like, yeah, right, we'll, we'll see how that plays out, you know. That's <laughs> my spring. Uh, so, uh, so there's some cool stuff. I, I think the most fun that we've had with one so far is sitting on the edge of forever. 
A, because it's such an iconic episode, and B, because the memo is hilarious. So if you have not gone to missionlogpodcast.com, click on the Documents Archive, and read that memo from Bob Justman to Gene that starts out by pointing out that Harlan Ellison was late delivering his second draft, and it just gets sharper and more critical and more hilarious throughout. Oh, wow. It's wow, wow, awesome. That is awesome. That, that really is amazing. That is amazing. Now, you're going episode by episode. Remind us what the future is of Mission Log and where it's going to boldly take you. Well, we're about two weeks away from finishing the second season, so we've got one more of the original series. We are going to do the animated series, but um, we're going to double up on that because there are about 22 minutes in the second, 22, 23, so... And there are a lot of people who don't want us to do it at all, so... <laughs> Don't get me started on the animated series. <laughs> I will not get me started. That is like, that's, that's like my safe word. Like, <laughs> you got it. You got it. Uh, then we go into uh, Next Generation, and we are on the fence right now about whether we do all of Next Generation. I'm sorry, I skipped the movies. Animated yeah. series, then uh, Star Trek 1 through 6. Okay. Then Next Generation, and then at the end of season 3, I don't know, we don't know. They overlap, yeah, 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 they overlap. There's good arguments, good arguments hide away for that. So right, 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 right. Although the bad argument is if you hate Deep Space Nine, you have to not listen to the other way. People hate Deep Space Nine? No, don't get me started on that. Now, I, mean, I, I promise that's the last time I did that joke. I mean, really. I mean, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, good. We have to keep this to be good radio. He just turned his back to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, he yeah. saw, he saw. He, people see. Some of the people see. Not everyone's watching the interview. Yeah, well, well, sometimes the tubes be. get too full. Tony, yes. that's, that's what's known as the cold shoulder. The cold shoulder is a word for that. Now, all right, so let's spend the last few moments talking about where people can find Mission Log Podcast, how they can follow you, how they can get their hands on the podcast. Like you were saying earlier, right? Some people just don't know about podcasting. Yeah. I presume that a majority of our listeners here do. <laughs> but if, if for whatever reason, remind us again how we can get our hands on Mission Log Podcast. Um, Facebook, Skype, and Tyler Durden. No, no, I was going to no, say that. Yeah, yeah, you don't talk about him. Yeah, no, please do not talk about him. Tyler Tyler, uh, who is actually somebody who works with Rod on a bunch of different stuff, has put together an absolutely beautiful website, uh, missionlogpodcast.com. Uh, I believe we're on Stitcher. I know, of course, we're on iTunes. Uh, basically, just search for Mission Log, and, and we should turn it off. I no, think so. Are we still Geek Magazine? Oh, right. The Geek Magazine that's on shelves right now actually has about a page, page and a half interview with me, John, and Rod. Awesome. Uh, that's tremendous. So that should actually be coming off the shelves pretty soon. So get out and get yours. It's the one, ironically, with Star Wars on the cover. <laughs> of course. Oh, that's the justice. You know, <laughs> we were joking about that last night. We went across the way to uh, the Gold Coast Hotel to have some Chinese food because they got great Chinese over there. And they had a big Star Wars... Uh, slot, slot game machine, or something, yeah. and we were joking that wouldn't it be ironic if we played it and won? <laughs> we're all here for the Star Trek convention. <laughs> and congratulations to Rod, right? Uh, yes, this week he had uh, yeah. he had uh, yeah, they, they a baby. Gave, gave birth to a uh, an ancient oceanic god called Zeal. Okay. Z-A-L-E. All right. Nice. Very nice. Well, congratulations to him. 
Well, John, Ken, thank you so much for stopping by the Trek Radio booth here and joining us uh, during our live broadcast of Priority One Podcast. It's great talking with you again a year later. It's really fantastic. Yeah, guys. Huge thanks to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Congratulations, couple. Thank you. Thank you very much. I am so beside myself. I'm just, I was more nervous than, the re- than when we really first got married. And it was really absolutely amazing. I was just telling James that everybody, I just sent out an email and everybody came together just like, yeah, we'll make this happen. Because we just decided at the last minute, I said, I said, to, I said to Amy, I said, you know, they're going to have a bridge and I heard they might be doing vows. Do you want to do our vows there? And she just lit up and then came home the next day and she bought the dress and colored her hair and she was so excited. And then all of a sudden, everybody was, was, was like, oh yeah, well, we can get you this. And then CBS said, yeah, we can get you a jacket. And they got me a jacket from CBS and they showed up and brought me a jacket. And then, and then Denise Crosby said that, yeah, I'll do this do the show. And I could I almost peed myself. Was, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw him go white, and I started to tremble, and I wanted to cry, but I said, oh, I can't. I got too much makeup on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is Beth. I, I had originally wanted to get married um, on the deck of the Enterprise, and so this is, like, my dream wedding come true. Yeah. i got to say a huge, yeah. huge thank you to Denise Crosby, first of all. Giant thank you, Denise Crosby. A huge thank you to Trek Radio and Lisa for getting triples, for putting this whole thing together, for getting its broadcast. A huge thank you to Priority One, Elijah, James, and Adrian for coming as well. She looks amazing as well. Uh, a huge thank you to our new Klingon friends, Alex, <laughs> Andy. Yes, my best Klingon friend, Andy, ever. Who just we just grabbed him and he was did the Klingon vows. Uh, also, a huge thank you to. Uh, TripleToys.com donated a couple triples for our uh, for our bouquet toss. Um, and, just, and Doctor Who showed up and he was in a ceremony. What I'm just and the Andorian, the Andorian, the Andorian. And um, there's a medical doctor. Yeah. Doctor. And Brandon. And of course, Brandon. Brandon, for, yes. For, 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 for putting me in contact with, with yes. Uh, yes. For, for Denise, Thank for suggesting Denise much. to do this, and she yes. just was right on board with that. This is what makes Star Trek rule. Just a couple emails, and the whole community came together and did this for us. And Amy and I was like, we're nervous. It's like, this is going to be... You know, it'll just be a little thing. It'll be, and it just turned out to be bigger than I ever have possibly imagined. And so it was just amazing what the Trek community can do. And you just don't see that anywhere. So I'm, I'm terribly grateful. And thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, everyone. You wanna, thank you. Thank you. Al, this was an amazing experience. Andy just came out of the blue and just stepped up. And we had this, this uh, the Klingon vows just kind of set up as just in case maybe we could find someone if you someone come and playing on makeup and and he just stepped right up and he nailed it he nailed it it was great it was such a perfect because uh, we really would have liked to have a playing on ceremony but we could not pull off the makeup so we just said well we could have this kind of thing maybe someone can project and of course this is the this is the star trek community he came he and he saved, did it he saved the day. thank you all right al well thank you again so very much guys it's it was a real honor to be a part of this oh, thank you so the much honor is ours Thank you so very much. I have no idea. My dream wedding has come true. Aww.
can Fuck never it, get divorced because I can't do that better. <laughs> With the knees crossing. With the knees Elijah, nice to meet you. I'm Derek with GameCloud Network out of LA. Awesome, nice to meet you. Nice, nice to meet you. you. And uh, and in the middle is uh, Eric Allen Hall, master of disguise. Now you were coming to talk to us about Deep Space Nine a little bit, Correct. right? From yeah. uh, from San Diego. Talk to us a little bit about that. Again, I, I, like I said before, I'm Derek Easley from GameCloud Network. We're based out of Los Angeles, and uh, we've had a great time so far covering uh, the Star Trek Vegas convention. And one of the highlight events of the con for sure was the uh, 20th anniversary of uh, Deep Space Nine, and the whole cast looks great. I mean, they've aged very well. They're all in good spirits. What's interesting was that the moderator was trying to tie everyone's relationship and analyzing how their characters transformed via love relationships, whether it's love between the characters or love for oneself, etc. And certain actors rejected that notion and uh, sometimes had an interesting banter with the moderator. Um, but everyone was there. Uh, Cisco was there. Uh, Avery Brooks, uh, Jadzia Dax was there. Terry Farrell. And then you had uh, Ciroc, Jake. Man, he's huge. He's taller than Avery Brooks now. And a big part of the panel was them talking about their father-son relationship. And uh, Michael Dorn and a bunch of the other cast were there. So it was really interesting to see. We had a great time watching. Awesome. Awesome. Now, what's on the horizon for you? Is there anything left now? It's Sunday, right? What's going on now? Well, uh, we're going to go, uh, you know, do some more uh, B-roll, and, and we have a lot to edit, and uh, we have a couple more interviews we want to get. Um, but yeah, that was the main event, the 20th anniversary. We joined, uh, enjoyed stuff earlier with the, the Next Generation cast. We got to talk to them earlier today with uh, Brent Spiner, Michael Dorn, and uh, Jonathan Frakes. We ran into Jonathan Frakes a number of times at this convention. He was very friendly with us. And uh, we're going to wind down and go back to Los Angeles soon and basically write up articles and edit videos of the event. It was very interesting. Very, very interesting. Very exciting. Now, now Mr. Hall, you have uh, you, you came in several costumes, right? Uh, yeah, I brought uh, 13 costumes with me. 13 wow, costumes. Wow, over four days? Over four days. That's amazing. Actually, no, I'm curious. Does the makeup cover the whole body? No. Uh, just the face. And who does it, if that's the case? Uh, I do it. I do it. I, I use gloves for my hands, but I portray data more. Okay. Okay, cool. And uh, does it peel off? What kind of makeup do you use, if you don't mind? I, I use uh, Mayron Clown White, and then I powder it down baby powder. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Is it durable? you sweat it off after the end of the day? or? Uh, that's why I put the baby powder on. That it keeps it from there. running. Okay. Cool. 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 And how long does it take you to do the whole face and... Brow and uh, the whole face takes about 20 minutes or so. Okay, all right, not bad. We were talking earlier about Adrienne's costume when she was lol, uh, your daughter, Data's daughter. Yes. And that was super cool, that was very exciting. I did have brown contacts ready to wear for that, and then I just ran out of time because I was trying to get back down with the bed too. But next time I'll have that and a little bit more styling, but uh, maybe some better fabric too. So that was my first uh, I am template. proud of my daughter. <laughs> I am I'm very happy to be here. Now, it seems like if Adrian and mentioning some of her costumes and some of the others, has, you've done certain betas over the years, like signature pieces, and then you'll add more and more. But the ones that you do over and over, have you had to update those and like tweak it? Not just for repairs and damage, but like making it you know, subtly different, subtly better over the years of being involved? They haven't really evolved so much. I have a first contact uniform 
And for that, I do data after he's transformed one third human by the Dwarf Queen. So I'll put one contact lens in, and I've got some silver eyeliner that I use as the delineation line, and then I don't put the contact in the other eye. That's awesome. All right. How many more data do you have to, I think, do you think are left for you that I haven't touched Well, I am planning the data as Friar Tuck next year. Nice. Uh, we're getting grouped together to do the whole Cupid group. And I'd love to do the kind of yellow jumpsuit that Lore wears when they first discovered him. Uh, I have a friend who lives in Chicago, hey Lucille, who does a fantastic data as uh, first con or um, generations in the naval uniform. And she won the Chicago costume contest earlier this year, and she did it all by hand. So uh, she's challenged me to come up with a costume like that. Have you done any before? I haven't done before. Um, I think that would be fairly similar to the jumpsuit thing that uh, Lore wears, yeah. but I could do it's that. It's just how you act. Yeah, right? And Different I carrier. would love to do the outfit that Data wears in the most toys. That would be cool. Too, oh, so. yeah, sit on, the, yeah. sit on the chair. Exactly. Right. Now, um, have, you ever, have you ever decided, if you're other than Data, what, what else have you done? I know on your Facebook you've done a few others. Is there a favorite of the ones you've done besides Data? Yeah, besides Data, probably my favorite is the Borg. Oh, yeah. And that's what I usually wear for the costume. Were you the Borg? You were the Borg last year dancing on the on the dance floor, right? Yes, that was me. Dancing. I thought so. I thought yeah, so. Thought so. Now I want to ask. I want to go back. Uh, yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about GameFob, the GameFob network, and uh, what it covers, what it doesn't? Yeah. So we're an online and, and in person company. We we I myself will be over at twenty six conventions and uh, festivals this year. We've done everything from uh, South by Southwest and uh, film, film festival in Austin, Texas, and the Newport Beach Film Festival, the San Diego Comic Con, which is full of Star Trek fans, a lot of great uh, Trekkies down there. And uh, we cover a lot of uh, uh, cosplay stuff, and uh, we do have uh, a panel we do every week called Sexy Saturdays, where we post different cosplayers. So yesterday we were posting different Star Trek cosplayers, Very which cool. is really cool. Uh, lots of beautiful ladies from Orion Slave Girls to Starfleet Gals. Oh, yeah. Uh, even, even sexy Borgs, yes, they're out there. Yeah, and, oh, uh, yeah. We, co we cover comic books. Uh oh, you give it? Uh, we cover uh, comic books, video games, films. Uh, I myself am the, the senior film and television correspondent, so I, uh, I get sent to a lot of the film premieres and get to meet a lot of uh, interesting actors. I met Harrison Ford a couple times this year. Congrats. And, yeah, so you know, I did an article on uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, and that was an interesting film. Because I I, my, my initial response was I was more elated, but the more I analyzed it, I was like, I wish they would have gone in more of an original direction rather than so much of an homage to Rathacon. What do you think? Well, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Let's do this. I think that uh, it was a great film. I pers I'm not a fan of it. I really don't like most of J.J. Abrams' films. Not even uh, Super 8? Super 8 was a rehash of the Goonies and E.T. <laughs> it, it, it was Goonies meets Close Encounters meets E.T. Meets right? E.T. And, and he's, I love those movies. But he's really... Yes, yes, those <laughs> movies are great. But what it's he just rehashes the... He's, a, he's not an original... I don't think he's an original director. Because I felt that it was, I was watching Spielberg. Super Eight was Spielberg. Right. It was a total um, love letter. Yeah, yeah, total love letter to Spielberg. And then uh, this, it was funny. The Star Trek movies. There was a parody um, about I, I forget what YouTube channel did it. it. It was his demo reel for Star Wars, and you was see that, a clip yeah. by clip of, of Star Wars comparisons. 
But as for Into Darkness, I thought it missed out on a lot of the chemistry that the first movie had. Right. The first movie really captured what I thought was the original series chemistry between Bones and Kirk, right. between Spock and Kirk. Did you see that Bones had more chemistry with Kirk's future wife than Kirk did, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that was insane. Yeah. And, and, and this series, I mean, like Uhura. Uhura is, Michelle Nichols played a, a role that was, I mean, historical in nature, right? right? And in this second movie, all of Uhura's lines were, Spock doesn't show me attention. He's being no, a jerk. He's being a jerk. Yeah. Let me talk to the Klingons. Yeah, the, w- one thing, one of my producing partners, shout out to Robert Ray, the director out of Los Angeles. We, we saw the film, and there wasn't the bro moments really between Spock and Kirk. No, nope, no and bro moments. Kirk is just kind of like, hey, Spock, you're a jerk. You didn't have my back. I'm like, oh, okay. And they <laughs> move on, all the rest of the story happens. And then, spoiler alert, when Kirk dies... The emotion isn't there. No, I remember no, being no, a no. kid and seeing Spock die, and I was crying. I'm like, Dad, you can't kill Spock. What's yeah, going on here? Yeah, the yeah. emotional scene between Shatner and Nimoy. It was pushed. It was very it, pushed. It was, it was very pushed in this new one. It, it didn't feel organic. And I rem- And actually, Tony, our, our other host of Priority One Podcast, uh, mentions that if you when you watch Khan, right, The Wrath of Khan, when Kirk screams out, Khan! It's not... He's not pissed. He's putting on a show for him. Right. So, all they were doing was trying to redo it just to do it. Right. We got to do it just to do it. Yeah. Oh, and how funny would it be if we yeah. switched it up and let it be uh, well, let it be spot. This environment had yeah. no TV series to, to really get you used to it, you know? So, it was sort of like rushing, trying to get you, come on, come on, buy into it really, really fast. Here's a bunch of stuff, but it, didn't, it wasn't paced right. Well, yeah. So it was really I, hard to jump in and... and Cling on. Cling on. I agree. If you, if you watch the first film, it, you know, J.J. uses, and, and Hurstman Orsi use a very fast-paced, like, the eight-minute movie method. So, like, if you if you time it, every eight to ten minutes, there's a new set of action, a new problem. Boom. Kirk stranded here. This is going on spot. Boom, boom. It's going so fast-paced. And with the second one, Into Darkness... You almost had, it didn't work in a way that you had three different problems, three different villains. Okay, you're dealing with the Klingons. Now you're dealing with Khan. Oh, no, no, just kidding. There's a military industrial conspiracy with Starfleet, and an admiral's going to kill hundreds of his own people in Starfleet's premier ship. And oh, it's no. Like, what is going on? Where yeah. is this movie going? I yep, would have yep. preferred an all-Khan or all-Klingon film. You know what I've, I've, I did realize is that now, now, more than ever, television is king. Right, it, I would they're think. calling it the golden age of TV right it, now. It is. And I think that now is a perfect time for Star Trek to get back on the screen. Even if it's through Netflix. I mean, look how successful Netflix has been with yeah, things Orange like House of Cards. Black, Arrested Development. If they were to jump on a great sci-fi series, maybe re-bring... I think uh, Robert Orchie and John Kurtzman, I think they would write beautifully for... A, a, I think they would write a, a Star Trek... That would be perfect. Well, look at their friends. The, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, Fringe was fantastic. Well, that's what's kind of exciting with new media. You know, you have Amazon, you have Hulu Plus, you have YouTube, and you have stuff going on the Kickstarter. And one thing that was interesting with being down San Diego Comic Con was seeing the panel for Veronica Mars mm-hmm. and all these people, you know, kickstarting and restarting this TV show that might have ended before they wanted it to, and now they're getting a feature film out of it. There's a lot of cries for people who want to see more Firefly slash Serenity. I would love to see more televised Star Trek content, and you know maybe we can do that. Maybe we can do something, see something through a Kickstarter, see something through you know a Netflix where we don't necessarily have to depend on 
uh, CBS or you know another network to view Pandy. Well, we, we, no. <laughs> we do have we do we do have Star Trek Renegades. Fortunately, that's yeah. that's trying to do something. So good luck to them. I really hope that things go very well. Grassroots. Um, yeah, grassroots really all the way. But I think that they, this these films would be much better if they were stretched out. Well, look at HBO, look at Game of Thrones. Yes, yeah, it's all about character. With the character building and knowing who they are and identifying it and really appreciating them. I would really love to see that. I think that, I think we missed, we saw a little bit of that in the first Star Trek and then it was taken from us because all it was was about who's the villain going to be in Star Trek in the Darkness. And we have, a mist I'm going to call it a mistake, like Uhura, the only thing Uhura says is, well, she's such a yeah, big Yeah, we character. can't really blame the actors because no, these, these actors do a pretty good job of, yes. you know, they're not mimicking the previous characters. But they're they, bringing life the to their own. The chemistry. But, yeah. The chemistry. It, just, uh, it fell flat. But I'm worried. What do you think real quick about the rumors that the G.I. Joe retaliation director was possibly going to direct the third Star Trek in the series? You know, I haven't, I was, I fell asleep watching retaliation on the plane. So I'm gonna to try to watch it again on the way, yeah. and uh, and see. I, I I don't know. I can't answer it's, that. I mean, it's better than the first G.I. Joe. Which That's is what I heard. Much, That's what I heard. I mean, it's just not right for Star Trek. I I was in a hotel in one of my travels, maybe in Phoenix, and Wrath of Khan came on TV, and I put it on. I'm like, and it's arguably the best Trek, you know, right, right. or at least one of the best. I'm like, my God, there's so much talking. And they're still talking, and they're still developing stuff. I'm like this is great. They're they're fleshing it out. Whereas you look at the new Star Treks, and there's no room to breathe. It's just boom, boom, boom. Things are happening. And I think if the GI Joe director directed the next Star Trek, you'd have more of that. You'd have more CGI, more explosions. And I'm just like, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about where Trek is going in the future. I wish it was TV. Yeah, I think that the direction to go is a Kickstarter. Call on companies like perhaps Netflix to bring back and revitalize a sci-fi series. Trek, you know, I know that there was rumors about trying to bring Enterprise back. You know, that'd be great, that'd be great, but I think that people are hungry for character development. I think it's because even as Star Trek, it's not just because Star Trek, I think people are just hungry for character. People are hungry to see, to feel for the character. Look at Walking Dead, look at Breaking Bad, right. and, you know, all these other shows. And Star Trek is perfect for that. Yeah. Perfect for that in sci-fi series. I, I uh, another plug for crud I do. I, I work in a, a comic book store in Long Beach called Pulp Fiction Comics. We have a website, CheapCaptainNovels.com, and we sell the IDW yep. Star Trek comics, and they do well there, and, and there's a fan base for it. But I think beyond kind of going back in time and seeing the alternative JJ universe Star Trek, people want to see what happens post Nemesis post-Voyager, what's going on with those characters, you yep, know? Yep. So the whole idea of revitalizing, I mean, Patrick Stewart's going to be busy, some of these bigger people are going to be busy, but, you know, what, what, what happened to Ensign Kim, you know, what's going on with Wesley Crusher, you know, like, yep. it'd be kind of cool to take some of these characters from DS9, Voyager, or Next Generation, maybe make an amalgamation, something bring them together, and do something uh, ongoing, that'd be great. That'd be great. Well, thank you very much for stopping by, man, I thank really appreciate so it, thank you yeah, very you much. Rock. We're big fans. Thank you.
transfer complete.